Welcome to the Corporate Catholic Podcast, where we inspire the joyful hustle by integrating your relationship with God into the 9 to 5. Join us as we flip the script on faith and work. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, um, one of my old professors from Miami University. Tom Hoyer is here today. Hi, Tom. Welcome. Good. I noticed, Claire, you said one of your old professors. <laughs> Meaning that I don't go to college anymore. That's what I mean. Okay. That's okay. My previous professor. Okay. <laughs> right. um, so, Tom was one of my entrepreneurship professors and taught corporate entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship consulting. So very much taught me a lot of the things that I use today in the workplace. Um, And he just has a lot of wisdom. Recently helped write a book and about leadership and just has a lot of insights about young people and um, uses his career as to reflect and allow young people to learn when they're young and be great leaders. So we're very excited to have you. Good to be here and and going to enjoy the time together and uh, sharing some thoughts with you. Perfect. So do you mind introducing yourself and just who are you? Um, maybe some of your previous background and what you've been up to recently. Yeah, I um, graduated uh, from Capital University many years ago, uh, got my master's degree at Ohio University, and then started my career at uh, Deloitte Consulting and uh, spent a number of years uh, there. And I think when I think back to my career, one of the most important aspects of the consulting was to have a mentor like I had, like Wayne Ashby was a mentor during my time there for seven or eight years. And he was quite important in my overall development. Then I left consulting and um, went and actually was the chief operating officer of a a publicly held uh, bank and uh, was uh, interesting experience there because I was put in a significant leadership role without really understanding what leadership was all about. And so mm-hmm. struggled through that a little bit, but Fifth Third eventually acquired us uh, at that time. And I knew having had that experience that I wanted from there on out to be engaged in leadership, strategy, and entrepreneurship. I had a sense of purpose at that time and I really went after it. So I took a job at J.P. Morgan Chase in the leading the executive leadership program. And then I had the opportunity for eight or nine years to start our own company. And uh, it was uh, called International Leadership Associates, a leadership consulting and strategy consulting firm. And we tended to travel all over the world, uh, helping people to become leaders and uh, really enjoyed that. And uh and then um, spent uh, eight or nine years at Fifth Third Bank. Wonderful experience. Uh, ended up being the chief strategy officer and head of innovation at Fifth Third before God knocked on my door and said, hey, I want you to go to Miami 
and I want you to teach for 12 years, and I want you to be involved in a ministry with the students. And that was probably, uh, I loved everything that I did, but I got to say the last 12 years was just an exciting experience for me. Yeah, I don't even think I knew all of that background, so that's amazing. And yeah, just one other thing to do that if my yeah. wife was here, was here, she would probably start pounding on the table. We we moved seven times in our first eight years of marriage. Wow. Wow. That's <laughs> <laughs> all that's all I that's all she would say too. So, yeah. <laughs> and then you just settled. That's nice that you can kind of settle yeah, back in yeah. Ohio and um so you're in Ohio right now. We live in Columbus, Ohio, and lived in Cincinnati for 30 years, and then uh, moved back to Columbus, Ohio, and we have two grandchildren here. We have a, my son, Joe, and, uh, and daughter-in-law and two grandkids here, and we are really enjoying the Columbus, Ohio area. Yeah, I got to visit Columbus, actually, for the first time last summer, so I was pleasantly surprised. I did a little it's a, tour. it's a very different city than either Cleveland or Cincinnati and a modern uh, technology city that's just growing leaps and bounds. Definitely. It's good for young people. <laughs> All right. Love your background and very excited to discuss all sorts of leadership topics today. So I think the first question that we have is just, um, relating to goals versus purpose. This is something that uh, was in your book, Ignite the Extraordinary, and we really took this away from, from reading, that a lot of our listeners are just very goal-driven people and have been their whole lives. Um, so I think that it can be very confusing what's a goal versus what is your purpose. So how would you explain that difference in you know, why does it matter? And you mentioned before that there was a point where you had found your purpose. So a lot of us young people maybe haven't felt that yet. So what does that feel like? And how does that change your work? I guess the, for me, first of all, uh, I think it's difficult for young people to find their purpose. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as to why that is. But I would call purpose answering the question, basically, why are you here? Why has God placed you here on the earth? And there, and he's placed, first of all, all of us are unique. Every single one of us is different. And we all have a separate purpose. We've all been placed here for some reason. And uh, it's ultimately our responsibility to try to find that out to try to understand that and really understand. It's like your North Star. I wrote down, um, it's, uh, it's your North Star. It gives you direction to everything you do and your life, a sense of meaning. And uh, when, when I get up in the morning, I found my purpose at age 36 and uh, really realized that for me, the idea of being a leader impacting people on a daily basis and helping them to strengthen themselves, helping them to really find their sense of purpose was really, really important for me. And that's what leaders do. Um, and so when I found that it, 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 every single day now, when I get up, that's all I think about. 
all I think about is how can I impact people? How can I help support them and work through them and help them achieve what it is that they want to achieve? And so that's a big picture thinking. And a goal and objective are the, the steps along the way that you do to achieve that purpose. Mm-hmm. You're, so uh, I remember uh, every year uh, in my 20s and early 30s, one of the things I'd always think, well, you know, what's my salary increase going to be this year? And am I going to make X number of dollars this year? And if I and if I'm going to buy this, then I got to be able to do this. Well, in a lot of ways, those are all goals and objectives. But in that, that end, what are the, what is that really leading to? You know, what's that really leading to? And so, until I found my sense of purpose and understanding what my north star was, the daily objectives or the goals, maybe for an immediate time frame, there was a something exciting about that. But the next day or the next day, the next day after it, it became pretty meaningless. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense to me. And I think what you said is important in the sense that like the purpose needs to come first and then the goals and objectives should derive from that purpose. So you're, you're, just think about this. Think about so think about in college, okay? Your your you know your mommy and daddies are spending a lot of money, all right, to send you to college. Now think about this. If you don't have a sense of what it is that you want to do when you leave college, you know, those four years in a lot of ways are going to have not as much meaning as they should have. And you may be studying and studying and studying and not really knowing what it is that you want to apply it to. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of young people, it's hard for you to think about how you do that. But as you grow older, mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s, that's when you really need to start grasping that and understand that. A lot yeah. of, you know, I get, I get so many calls from former students after they graduate in their first six months. They call me up and say, I hate what I'm doing. Well, what did I tell you? You know, <laughs> yeah. you've got to be doing something that's going to be giving you a sense of meaning and a sense of joy every single day for what you do. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you discovered your purpose when you were 36. So up until that point, what, I mean, were you just in that period of searching for that? Did you have any idea? Did you feel lost? Like what, what was your mindset up until that point of realizing that you had found your purpose? So um, I started journaling back in my mid early thirties. And so I've got uh, three big uh, cases full of journals. And I go back and I look at those journals in the early 30s and I I was wandering through the forest and had no idea where I was headed. I was picking up a wonderful paycheck, but other than that, and I had, and we had three kids at the time and it was fun being a father, but in a lot of ways, being a father was... Um, was difficult because, again, I didn't know what my sense of purpose was all about. And when I found my sense of purpose, I became a much more successful and better father. I can tell you my kids would tell you that. 
uh, and everything. But I was wandering through the forest, had no idea where I was headed, where I was doing. I was picking up a paycheck. I was learning skills. But, you know, being the chief operating officer of a company, I had to be a leader and I was pretty lousy. I would look back on those days and I was just not very good at what I did. And I that's what I came to understand after Fifth Third acquired us, that I just wasn't very good at what I was doing. But now I knew what it is that I wanted to do and I wanted to go out and concentrate on that and really build some skills around that. So until you really have a sense of what it is your purpose is, the skills and the talents that you're building may not have any sense of a meaning at all. Mm-hmm. So would, does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And were you saying that when you found your purpose in being a leader, were you not yet a good leader or was it when you became a good leader that you? Oh, no, Sorry, I was not a good leader. I was an honesty. <laughs> and I was lucky that Chase hired me because they wanted a banker to be the, the, the person that headed up leadership development. They didn't want. And so I learned everything about leadership development at the age of 36 and on after that. And I learned what leadership was all about. And that's when I, I became a, uh, and, and so then when we started our consulting firm, I went out and did, we were putting on three day leadership seminars and people would come and listen to us to do seminars. I was getting good at that time. And then people would come and listen to us and we would be creating leaders. And so uh, we have, I would say over the time at ILA, we probably, I mean, it's just, we probably had six to 7,000 people come to our seminars uh, over the years. And eventually after two to three days, they understood what leadership was all about. Now it was their opportunity to go out and practice it. Mm -hmm. And then also at that time, I became an executive coach and uh, companies would call me up and say, listen, we've got this leadership. We got this senior person who needs some coaching. Can you come in and help for six to seven months and work with them to help them to become an effective leader. So that was another way that I further developed not only my leadership skills, but the opportunity where I saw purpose in developing leaders. Mm-hmm. So what would you say? Cause I think it's really cool that, uh, you know, you weren't a good leader at the time and that kind of fueled you to learn so much and therefore you be kind of, you became a subject matter expert and, you know, that just really inspired you and you wanted other people to have that experience too. And I think there's a lot of um, messaging out there that's like, find that thing that you're already good at and make that your career versus you took something that wasn't necessarily came naturally to you and, you know, studied and practiced and then made that your career. I guess, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that of, you know, finding something that you're already naturally good at versus maybe, um, you know, training and studying and like. Oh, I think if you're if you're already naturally good at that and you have you can really envision that being something that's going to be important to you while you're further down the road. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have to kind of share a story with you about my first leadership seminar. Uh, This was at 30 people came to the seminar. And uh, and so. uh, I uh, early, and I think it was the the week before I started talking with the individual who was going to be the co-facilitator with me, who was an expert in this seminar. 
and so we were talking about what each and other, which portions of the seminar we were going to do. And so I just so happened, it so happened on Friday, the seminar was going to start on Monday. So it happened on Friday that the co-facilitator called me up and said he wasn't going to be able to make it. Mm. Here was the, here was the person who had the, all the expertise Mm-hmm. And I had never done a seminar before. And so I reached out every place I could to find somebody to come in and help me. No, I was it. And 30 people had signed up for this. So I did the three-day seminar and uh, uh, did the best that I could. It was the best learning experience that anybody could have. And I think we refunded some of the money money to the people. But it couldn't, I couldn't have had a better learning experience uh, going headlong into something and then leaving and getting the feedback from the people as well as to what went well and what didn't go so well. So to answer your question, if you're gifted already and you really have some joy at what you're doing, man, you're, you're further down the road. But if you have a sense of, you know what it is that you want to do and you're not gifted in it, you just got to kind of jump in and get started. And you got to find that first step in it. And then you'll, and and eventually you'll work through it because it's what you love. It's what you want to do. Yeah, I'm curious, like as you're talking about purpose, it's kind of making me think of you know, companies that have mission statements. And so would you kind of draw that parallel of, you know, our individual purpose is kind of like a business's mission statement. Is that kind of how you would think about it? Mission vision statement. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I would, uh, first of all, I would uh, really tell every individual out there to, if they are looking at going into a different company, the first thing that they need to look at is, does the company have the vision statement? Will they tell you what the vision statement is? Will they help you understand what it's supposed to mean for them? And how does their culture fit into their mission statement? All those are extremely important and very, very important. And yes, your purpose individual and a company's purpose are very, very similar. It's just that, you know, they're obviously much, much different from a size standpoint. So like the uh, one of the companies that we worked with, uh, at ILA, at our International Leadership Associates, was uh, a company called LensCrafters. And uh, we helped LensCrafters create their, their initial vision statement. And their initial vis- vision statement was to be the best to help, to be the best at helping the world to see. We want to be the best at helping the world to see. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how much difference that made for that company to have a vision statement like that, that everybody in the company could really connect to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's thinking big and like thinking broad. I think sometimes it's hard to kind of take that next step and think even bigger. Um, Well, and, and Claire, you, you know, the point you're making also is that, um, Visions are big. Purpose statements are big. Goals and objectives are steps, mm-hmm. kind of steps along the way. They're they're just minor. They're 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 
their goals that as you move down the goal even further, it's going to help create that sense of purpose and vision that you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you say to someone who, you know, doesn't have that purpose yet and, but they they have the desire to find their purpose. So when I coach somebody, here's the exercise that I give them because most, many times I got to tell you, even senior level people in companies, that's generally who I coach. Many of them don't have a sense of purpose and they want to, and that's one of the things that's missing. So the exercise that I tell them is buy a, buy a journal and for the next two weeks on one page, write down everything that you enjoyed doing that day. I mean, literally everything that you enjoyed doing that day at the night when you go home, write down everything you enjoyed doing that day on the page right next to it. What do you think I tell them to write? Things they don't like. Yeah. The things that they hated and would never want to do again. Okay. So they can take that, you know, start looking at that page. But after two weeks, there'll be some things that some ideas, some things that they really love doing that'll become consistent that they can start seeing and start start thinking about what their sense of purpose is all about. And guarantee you that exercise works. Talk to a lot of students uh, when they come and meet with, when they came and meet with me, uh, we would sit down and, and one of the things that I would say, you know, I don't sense that you have a real purpose for what you're all about. And they would generally agree, and I'd give them that assignment, and they would start working on it. And many of them would come back after two or three weeks. We'd start looking through their journal, and we'd start saying, wow, this is this is getting pretty consistent. You need to start then start thinking about how to create and how to put that sense of purpose together. Yeah, so... So you've coached executives and very senior leaders, and you've also coached college students and people very young in their careers. Is your approach to coaching those different groups of people pretty much the same? Or is there, you know, how would you kind of shift your approach to cater to more of a young person? Um, Great question. Um, When I get hired to coach and exact there I have a very specific process that I take them through from start to finish and it usually starts with them getting 300 getting 360 degree feedback from their direct reports from their peers from from their boss that tells them what they're doing well as a leader and what they're not doing well as a leader and quite frankly most of them lack vision and most of them lack uh, being inspiring. So we spent a lot of time talking about that with students. It's no, it's more, uh, telling it's more, uh, giving them a sense of here's who I see you are. I see you in class, not having a very sense of purpose, or I see you in class, not spending a lot of time talking with your team, or I see you in class, not doing this or that. And I ask them, is that true? And then that leads to some very specific coaching that we can uh, that we can talk about with them. Uh, uh, the coaching with students usually are about is thirty minutes at a time because uh, that's all they can usually take. And, uh, <laughs> and here's the, the the big thing that um, I think today's students need to uh, understand. Number one is. Um, Life is not easy. Life is hard. 
it's difficult. And so I think there's so much, so many um, young people that want to think that life is so easy and I can just do this and do this and this and it's going to happen. You're crazy. It isn't. <laughs> and and so there's this concept in the book. Um, in the book that we write about, and it's called Easy Versus Hard. Hard versus easy. And uh, life is hard. It's difficult. If you want to find your sense of purpose, you've got to dig in and find it. It's not going to be easy. It's just not going to be hanging off a tree for you to pick and say, oh, I got found my purpose. That's that's not it. And so that's number one. Secondly, um, young people spend too much time on their iPhones. And yeah. we cannot, you cannot one of the most important things in life is building relationships and you don't build relationships through an iPhone and you can sustain a relationship maybe that way, but you cannot start a relationship. And so there's too much time. In fact, I may have told Claire this in class one day when, but when I taught my leadership class, uh, um, I, the students, one of the exercises they had to do is they had to be positive for 24 hours. That was an assignment. They had to be positive for 24 hours, and then they had to write about it. And so it was always interesting to read those experiences of what to write. But what then I would do uh, during those 24 hours is I'd walk across campus 20 minutes one way and 20 minutes back the other way. And every student that I passed, I would say, Good morning. Hello. How are you? And so last semester I did this. Uh, I passed 116 students. Okay. And saying that to them, how many of you, how many do you think responded to me? I'm scared to guess. Like, I'm going to say half. Or. What? <laughs> what do you think they were doing? They had their headphones in probably. Oh, they were not. Well, they might, but they were down like that. They didn't, many of them didn't even see me. They had their, and it's, 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 it's just no way to, in some ways, be a leader. And secondly, to really sense out and start to really kind of understand what your sense of purpose is. Yeah, it's, it's very much a distraction. And, and it, from everything that you've said, it seems like, your purpose is something that takes time and dedication. It's not something that just comes to you. And if you're being distracted so much, you're really missing out on a lot of thought that like even just walking to class, if you weren't on your phone, that's just time to think. Um, and also just things that might be in front of you that you're missing. And I, I definitely relate to that. I need to spend less time on my phone. Yeah. Um, Claire, everything you just said is exactly right, and uh, and everything. So it's it's like uh, we wrote about in the book the kind of the four stages of a career, and the first stage is finding the light, and finding the light is find your purpose, find your purpose. And let me just emphasize one thing that was really important, Claire, that you talked about there. That, that both of you have really spent time talking about is that when you find your purpose, you are no longer self-centered. Your purpose is out serving other people. 
It's you are not you are you're focused on helping other people to become successful, helping other people. And the selfish, the self-centeredness leaves you. And that's when you find when you know purpose is really there with you. Mm. So, yeah, that's important because I feel like a lot of people think that their purpose is about them. Mm -hmm. No. Great point. It's not about them. And uh, so first stage is finding the light. And then the second stage is once you find the light, you learn how to fly. You just learn the talents and the skills necessary to really achieve that sense of light that you've created. So you found the light. Secondly, you know, you're learning to fly, learning to fly, not you are flying, you are learning to fly. Mm -hmm. And stage three is really you're reaping the rewards. Yeah, if you don't find a sense of purpose, quite frankly, the rewards that you're going to reap might be financially and that sort of thing, but you're not going to reap the rewards from growing internally, externally, and really growing mentally, emotionally uh, around uh, your life. And then the final one is really the stage that, uh, you know, a lot of us are in as baby boomers is giving back. And I wish I would have started giving back a lot sooner, a lot sooner. But giving back is so much fun. It is so much fun to get up every day and be able to do that. So those are the four stages. Uh, finding the light, learning to fly, reaping the awards, and giving back. And we talk about that in, in, in the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people that are listening are probably more in the first stage. So and I think sometimes it's hard when, you know, we're, we're all confused. We don't even have a purpose yet. It's hard to even think about stages two, three, and four. But, you know, what might be important for young people to know, like, what's coming up in their career? Like, what are the benefits of getting out of stage one and, um, you know, being able to give back and feeling like they've found a purpose and are helping people? Because I think a lot of people just can't see that part yet because they're just very much floundering in stage one. You know, what I would say is that, um, again, you don't have to have your, found your sense of purpose to give back. Go do a mission trip. Go, um, I remember, you know, when my wife and I went early 30s when we uh, were living back in Columbus after grad school. Um, we had a church, Faith Lutheran Church, that we really enjoyed, and we would do we would go down we would go downtown to the Faith Mission, and uh, once a month and cook meals and bag meals for for people, and it was so so energizing to be able to do that, and not sure why we didn't do it more often, mm -hmm. but you can start giving back without even understanding what your purpose is. Just go out and do it. Because then it, you start understanding how important giving is versus taking. Mm -hmm. uh, so vitally important. Um, the the other the other thing is that young people, I would, you know, ages between twenty two and thirty, I would really hope you find a mentor. Finding a mentor is really important. I had three mentors during my early stages of my career, probably between ages 25 and 40. 
and they they entered my life during different times, and it was so valuable for me. And uh, we're um, we're writing, doing some writing again, how to find a mentor, uh, how to really, um, and then how to seek them out and how to really work with them effectively because it's so important for young people to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I both think of you have a mentor. Well, I would say that I like at our company, what they call is they have a your personal board of directors. So I feel like what I've done is I have like a an internal board. So like a board of 12 people or so that work at our company that I feel like I could go and reach out to and set up time with. And then some people outside of my company that that I can reach out to. And I would say you are one of those people. Um, But I feel like it's hard for young people to know, you know, how many mentors should I have? You know, how often do I reach with them? Should it be formal, informal? One at a time. Seriously, one at a time. And, uh, but you, but it's so vitally important for you to search for that person to, to make sure there's that fit uh, and that, you know, cause mentors are not going to search for you. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to search. You've got to search for that person. And how do you search for that mentor? Like, yeah. should you be looking for someone who is similar to you, different than you, has a career that you want to have a career that's completely different? Like, how do you go about finding that mentor? So let me tell you who who my outside of work, who my first mentor was. And this was pretty interesting. He, um, he was the Dean of students at Capital university when I was there. And I'm not sure a whole lot of us really liked him. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty tough. And then, uh, John was a member of the church. We, uh, we belonged to when we when we came back to Columbus and uh, met him there, met him in a Bible study. And and John was actually the leader of the Bible study. And he was so different, um, just a really caring, loving person. And I knew at that point in time that he was the person that I really needed to seek some help and support from. And I uh, approached him one day. I think it was actually after church one day. I approached him. Can we meet? I'd like to grab, have you know, get a cup of coffee with you and talk about what I was looking for. And we met, and boy, from there for two or three years, he was just a tremendous mentor for me. Mm-hmm. And mentoring it may not last more than a year or two years, or it could last five, six years. Mm-hmm. But as you grow, you're probably gonna there's probably gonna be a different mentor out there that you're gonna be seeking, and so. There are going to be mentors for specific periods of time, and then it will change. Yeah. Great question, though. I, um, um, I think probably it's better to have somebody that's maybe not a whole lot like you. Uh, you know, um, I don't. I don't know. That's. A, I. I ought to think about that question. It's a good question. John yeah. was. Uh, John was about twenty-five years older than me. And, uh, um, yeah, good question. 
And I guess in more of a general sense, what would you say are characteristics of a good mentor? Like what are things that anyone should be looking for regardless of, you know, who the person is? So the, to both of those questions, I'm teaching, I'm going to be teaching an adult ed class at my church on Christian mentoring. And because uh, right now what's very, very important is the, the men and women at our church need to understand this is just, this is not just about mentoring. This is about Christian mentoring. And so um, look, number one is you got to listen. Mentor has to be able to listen and be quiet. <laughs> and in fact, I would say that mentoring, you may talk 20% of the time and the person, your mentee is probably talking 80% of the time. And, and second thing is all about asking questions. So you're listening and asking questions. The third part of it is about giving them your experience. You're not going to tell them what to do. You're not going to tell them what to, you're not giving them the answer. What you're giving them is listening, questions. Here's what I'm seeing Here's kind of what it did for me and my life and that sort of thing. And let them be able to pull that from you and be have them be able to think through it themselves. So that because this is about them making their own decisions, you're going to help impact that decision making, but they've got to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, giving the right answer. That's definitely you never did that in, in school. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's that's right. Any question yeah. that we had. Just turn it, turn, turn it back. Yeah. <laughs> turn it back to another question. <laughs> and, and, um, that's the important part of mentoring and coaching is, is to be wise enough to ask the right questions and then sit back and listen to what they are, what, what they're saying mm -hmm. and then love them. Okay. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess going back to the four different phases of, you know, a person's career, um, I think sometimes it's hard because everyone has such different timing with their career in terms of like when they find their purpose. And sometimes it can be hard because you're looking at someone else your age and that person has already found their purpose. They're already accelerating into that second phase of learning to fly. So I guess, you know, what, what would you say to someone who, I guess, kind of touching on the topic of comparison, like how do you kind of tune out the comparison of, you know, maybe other people your age who have already found their purpose versus kind of focusing on, you know, just your own experience in your own career and not letting that get to you, if that makes sense. So the first thing I do, it's a great question. First thing I would do is if you have a colleague, a friend who has found their purpose, I would go sit with them and say, how did you do this? I'm really intrigued by this. I want to understand it because this is important to me. And then hopefully they will be able to share that with them and work through that. Second thing is that um, you got to work at it. There, it's it's something that's just got to be done daily. You've got to work at it. You've got to think about it. You've got to do the exercise that I talked about. And you've got to constantly be talking with people, mentors or friends of yours that you trust about the, 
the issues that you have that you're facing. The third thing is you've got to have patience. I know that sounds horrible or it sounds like, but uh, God in many ways gives you your purpose and God's going to want to, um, God's timing is right on this. And so his timing with me was right. In fact, I, I, I don't think I did. Let me deviate and tell the story about how I came to Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was making a heck of a lot of money at Fifth Third. I, you know, just a lot of money. And I was really enjoying what I was doing. And then uh, one morning I was sitting in my office and uh, I had this vision that God said is you're going to leave here in a, uh, in a few weeks and you're going to go teach at Miami and you're going to start your own ministry with students. And one of the things about finding your purpose is you got to listen because, because he's telling you in a lot of ways what, what he wants you to do quite often though, we're not listening we we've got we've got our ears closed because we feel like man we're making a lot of money we're doing this we're doing this and everybody in the world loves us and I don't want to do that well he'll tell you he'll give you he'll listen so um, so about ten days later uh, I got a call uh, from uh, the entrepreneurship department at Miami saying that your name has come up and we want you to come up and interview. Oh, you didn't even reach out? They reached out to you? Oh, no. Yeah, no, I didn't. Even reach out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, so I went up and uh, interviewed and I did the uh, one hour presentation that was required. There were like three or four other candidates. Two days later, they gave me a call. Uh, and the salary that they offered me was about 15 percent of my current of the salary I was making at that time. Wow. And, wow. But got called and, 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 and when he calls and you listen and you obey the, the experience that you're going to have, is going to be significant. Does that help? Did I answer the question? Okay. Yeah. That helps a lot. I mean, did you have any resistance to that call or was it, you felt so convicted by it that it was, an easy decision. Oh yeah. My wife said, you better not turn this because I'd been talking about years ago, maybe teaching and, um, but I just never pursued it. You know, Mm -hmm. it was going to be hard to pursue that. And so this just, God just said, you know, cause, and then he said, and then it was very clear that I was going to go up there to teach, but I was also going up there to really mentor students. Yeah. Do you ever think back about, you know, just all of the students that you've impacted and everything that they've done, you know, just the impact that making that decision has had over the last yeah. 12 years and hundreds of Can you students. give me 10 seconds? I want to show you something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe 15. <laughs> okay. So it's hard for you to see this. Can you see this? It's a basket. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to show you what's in it is it's full of letters and notes and everything from students. Wow. Or people that I've coached over the years. Yeah. 
That's amazing. It's like a blessings basket. Wow. And and so that's you know that that you can't you can't put a dollar sign on that. Yeah. So and 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 once that's what happens when you find your purpose. People are going to appreciate it, and people are going to let you know that they appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so nice to hear you say that because, you know, that part of our career like feels far away when people are thanking us and, you know, we're still in the learning skills part of it, but it's just nice to see that and know that, you know, that can be in our future too. But, but you know, something Claire, the, um, one of the things that I really enjoyed at Deloitte and consulting is when I had young team members that would come in and start and and then they would go around and thank the older people and helping them with a project or helping them uh, get through a project or, or you're coaching them or sort, sorting them. Members of the team kind of working with each other and recognizing each other and supporting each other. It was really fun seeing that happen. And I knew when that was occurring, that the, the, the young women or men that were leading those teams were doing a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, I think another thing that we wanted to talk about was complacency. And, and just in the book, you wrote that you know, 30% of employees identify as being engaged. So there's just a lot of people that are kind of floating and um, you know, they're, they're maybe not actively looking for their purpose. They're kind of just, you know, okay with where they are, even though where they are is not making, you know, it's not fulfilling them. Um, so yeah, what are, what do you see as the dangers of complacency? And do you see, you know, a lot of young people feeling this way? And what would you say to those who are kind of feeling this way? So our new, our most recent research that Steve's on our research that we've done is that 81% of people working in corporate America today are complacent. Wow. And they're not, so number one is that they're coming in just to do a job and uh, could care less whether they're growing or in a lot of ways kind of care less about the kind of job they're doing. And But the other thing about that is they're also working for managers who aren't also developing them, giving them the feedback, encouraging them and recognizing them. So we've already, you know, kind of already talked about that. There's only two ways that people get out of complacency that Steve and I really uh, found over the research. Only two ways. Number one is they find their purpose. They get a sense, strong sense of purpose. Or secondly, they have a mentor who really cares about them and helps them lead. And that mentor may be their father. It could be their mother. It could be somebody at work. It could be an older brother or sister. But they've got to find the mentor who will help, them, who will pull them, coach them, and bring them out of complacency. We have found no other way that an individual gets out of complacency other than finding their purpose or having a mentor who will help them find their purpose and grab them out of that complacent situation. Mm-hmm. Go 
Oh, I was just going to say, and both of those require initiative by That's right. the individual. Yeah. There, yes, it's nobody else. It's their initiative that's going to have to do it. And that's why this ease that life is easy thing is really, they've got to shut that off, turn that off and understand that I'm in charge of this here and I've got to find a way to move out of this. Mm-hmm. It's almost like yeah. you kind of have to wake up from complacency a little bit to, to, to ever get out. Like there's just no way. Yeah. And that leads to, in some ways, the definition of leadership that we've always used. And uh, the leadership definition is leadership is the art of convincing others, not just to struggle, but to want to struggle for shared aspirations. And so what happens is if you're just struggling, if you're just struggling, uh, you probably have no aspirations. But if you're wanting to struggle, you've got this aspiration that you're trying to achieve. And that's what leaders are all about. They're convincing themselves that, man, I've got this aspiration that I really am, that is really important to me. Now I'm going to want to struggle. And struggle ends up being a positive thing when you have a sense of aspiration. If you don't have purpose or aspiration, struggle is, is just you know, it's mundane. It's something that is just not going to lead you to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I see, I mean, something that I guess I don't know if I've necessarily found my purpose, like through work yet, but something that is my aspiration at the moment is just, you know, my relationship with God. Um, and that kind of makes the struggle worth it in the meantime of finding my purpose. Listen, what you two are doing with this podcast is really important, really important. And, and, and so what I would encourage you to do is to think, is to probably, you know, you've probably already done this, but what I would do is I would step back and say over the next three to six months, what, what do we want the purpose of this podcast to be? I notice you, you know, you've got this on here that, that you sent to me, but okay. If we've got, is, is what we're bringing on the podcast, achieving that sense of purpose that we want. And, and you can really feel that and understand that probably after every podcast. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like after every podcast, every time we record, we always just feel so good after. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt not good after one? Mm. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not as good as others. Or a time when we, like, you know, we're rushed. We didn't prepare. It's a time when we weren't prioritizing our purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what's critical is that every podcast ought to have some connection, ought to be aligned with your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how our purpose isn't about us. It's about others. And I think when we have maybe struggled with the podcast before, like we're thinking too much about ourselves and we have to step back and realize that we're not doing this for us. Like we're doing this for others. And so that's kind of always helped us get back on track, I would say. And that's when your podcast becomes becomes listened broadly by other people is when you keep that as your major focus, it's to help other people. It's to really help other people. And I got to tell you, 
that you got you two. You, there is such a large group of people out there that your age, maybe two or three years older, could be a couple of years younger, that really need what you're saying and what you're talking about. No, thank, thank you. you. That's that, that means a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so back to leadership, I mean, that definition of leadership that you said, I mean, I've just always remembered that since class. And I think it's being in the workforce and being so young, how how can young people be leaders? I think that's something that I kind of struggle with being the youngest person on my team. You know, how, how what do you do if you have a complacent manager? How can the young person kind of try to lead their team by even being, you know? Well, first person? of all, good companies don't have complacent managers. <laughs> uh, you know, seriously. Seriously, really good companies do not have complacent managers. Bad companies do. And uh, so that's one thing. Secondly, <clears throat> is that keep this in mind. Leadership is everyone's business. Leadership is every, I don't care whether you have, whether you're managing somebody or not. Leadership is everyone's business. So think about the teams that you're on and how are you encouraging and recognizing the people that are on your team, you know, if somebody has really helped you, um, if, 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 if there's been another member of your team that has really helped you with something, don't ignore giving them the encouragement and recognizing them and supporting them. Uh, the, the other is, is to also go up the ladder and go in. If your boss is on an, on an engagement has really been helpful in your development, go into their office and thank them. Thank them for what they did. Thank them for helping. It was like today, I had to have my eyes checked. And uh, boy, my eye doctor was fabulous. First time I'd ever been with her. She was fabulous. And so I told her afterwards, I said, I need your email address. And I, she said, what for? Because I want to send you and your staff a thank you note for the work that you did with me. And so it's that kind of thing that can start your leadership, that the, the, the importance of that and how it makes other people feel really, really good about mm -hmm. what they're going to do. Because then they'll continue doing that. They'll continue doing the, the, the stuff that you're recognizing them for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And, and not everyone, you know, like you said, young people are, can be distracted. Like not everyone is noticing the things that other people are doing and recognizing them for them. So it just means Young a lot. People are very worried about their work mm -hmm. and, and they can't see beyond that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that. I definitely and, struggle with that. <laughs> and, and, and I can't tell you how, one, how, how important it is somebody that's been been around there for three or four years who maybe have given you some assistance, how important it is for them for them to know that you've walked into the office and thanked them for it. Because mm -hmm. then it tells them exactly, hey, I need to keep doing this. If they don't hear from people, they're thinking, well, maybe maybe I didn't do something very well. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm not going to do that any longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or maybe people don't notice. So like, why am I doing it to begin with? Yeah. 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 That's good. That's very encouraging because 
you know, sometimes it's hard to empower yourself as a, as a young person to like inspire, inspire, you know, the, the, the managers and the leaders. I, I, I really quite, I, I really fully enjoyed every time a student came into my office and wanted to sit down for a half an hour and coach, and then they would drop me a note and thank me. I can't tell you how grateful I was for that. Mm-hmm. Cause that again told me how important that meeting was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. Definitely just calling those things out and, um, and a lot of times we think it, we just don't always vocalize it or say it. So yeah. 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 Vocalize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's a good takeaway. I think that is a good takeaway. Yeah. And, well, think- and, 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 you know, it's, it's just the way that you can help people get to help people have the courage to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. See, once you have confidence and, you know, sometimes it might take a little confidence to walk into somebody's office and thank you, thank them for it. But once you have confidence, then courage starts happening also. You give people the confidence to continue doing that, then it's the courage that they'll continue to, you know, and they'll maybe even take it a, a, a new and different approach to it because you've given them the courage to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like supporting them. Yeah. Um, in a way and giving them leverage when to take that next risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Our just final thoughts, any, any final thoughts for, for young people and just wrapping up everything that we've talked about for young leaders, those who are struggling, those who haven't found their purpose, any final thoughts you'd say to them? Um, yeah. Number one, it's so important. I can't, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say how important it is, but, but you have, we have one life to live and let's live it in a way that gains a sense of purpose that helps the other people around you that impacts people. And so that's it. So the first thing is that find that sense of purpose and understand that every day when you wake up, there's going to be some opportunity out there waiting for you. Um, Secondly, you are unique and God's got you placed here because you are unique and there's certain people that he wants you to impact. And we have got to be able to understand that without finding our sense of purpose, we'll probably never also find those people that he wants us to impact and make a difference with. Mm-hmm. The third thing is that this is a tough world. It's a difficult world, but it's a world that uh, we can experience heaven on earth if we find our sense of purpose and really every single day waking up and doing that and listening to what he has to say for us and going out and doing it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you so much for for the wisdom and the perspective and sharing your experience with us and our audience. We can't thank you enough. And um, yeah, we are so excited to be doing this podcast. And it's so encouraging, you know, hearing your your story and your perspective. So thank you. 
It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed my my voice is getting a little hoarse, <laughs> you know, but it's really fun. And also just share a little bit about the book with them, okay? Yeah. Yes, of course. Definitely. Yeah. We and will we will link it in our podcast description so people can find it if they good, good. God bless both of you. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Catholic Podcast. Give us a rating and follow us on social media at Corporate Catholic Pod.